Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the Author Incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Today we have a great show for you. This will benefit you on multiple levels. We are going to talk to this author about the process of writing the book like we always do, Um, but we are also going to talk about how you can use the techniques in his book to maximize your success with your book and with your business. So today we are talking to uh, conversion optimizer and author Steve Steve Dar, um, Steve's book I absolutely love. It is called Profit Hacking, The Web Entrepreneur's Three-Part Formula for Maximizing Success. And I will say that one of my favorite uh, parts of this book is that Steve really gets this. He gets exactly what it takes, and his formula is Similar to uh, similar to what I teach my authors and uh, the members of my mentorship program, I'm really excited to have him share with you this book. And I recommend that you go find Profit Hacking right now on Amazon and just buy a copy. You're going to love this book. So, Steve, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Angela. I'm really excited to uh, to be a part of the show. Yay! So. Terrific. Let's just start off by telling people about Profit Hacking. What is the book about? So the book, is, as the subtitle suggests, it's a three-part formula for helping people increase their profits online. So really there's only three things that you can do, three levers to pull. You can get more traffic, so you can get more people to visit your site or to come to your author's page or the, the page for your book. You can increase your conversion rate, so you can get a higher percentage of those of those visitors, that traffic to purchase or subscribe or sign up or contact you. And then third, you can improve your economics. You can increase your average lifetime customer value. You can increase the amount of money they spend with you and just um, take the people who convert and make them a more valuable um, lifetime customer for you and your business. Okay, I love this because you're not talking about just raising your prices. You're talking about a lifetime value. So explain what a lifetime value is. Sure. And raising your prices is generally a pretty good way to, to increase your economics, but there's there's so much more at play. So when it's significantly easier to get someone to buy from you a second time, a third time, a fourth time after they bought from you once, as opposed to getting someone who's never paid you a penny to get to buy from you that first time. And so you put in all this effort and time and energy and investment into getting the first purchase, turning someone into a customer for the first time, that it's it's really in your best interest and significantly more profitable to put some effort into retention programs, into getting referrals, into coming up with other solutions, products, and services that can serve your customers and your audience. And it really starts a lot of the time with, having conversations with them and figuring out where else they're struggling, 
else they they have needs and wants and desires and seeing if either you can fill them yourself or if you can find a partner or some other solution and and provide that to them as long as you're continually providing more value and and solving more of their problems they're going to love you more and more and and find ways to to give you more money if you're bringing them results so authors i'm coming for you right here if all you have is a book and let's say you're making ten to twenty dollars on that book, or maybe you're making three to five dollars on an ebook, and that is the end of the story and the end of your relationship. You're doing these first two legs of the stool. You're bringing in the traffic. Maybe it's to your Amazon page or your website or your Facebook page. You're bringing in that traffic. That's the first part of the stool that Steve talked about. We'll talk more about that. Then you have a certain number of people that convert. So 100 people go to your Amazon page, 10 people buy your book, you have a 10% conversion rate. Awesome. Steve's going to talk a little bit more about how you can change that, make that 20% conversion rate. That's great. But if at the end of the day all you have is one book that you make $10 on, your lifetime value for those 10 customers is $10, right? You're going to make $100 and that's the end of the story. But when he's talking about your lifetime value and having more to offer them, they've come in, they like your book, they've given you their their $10 or their $20, what now? What are you going to give them next? Or are you just going to leave them high and dry and go get more traffic and try and increase your conversion rate and maybe raise the price of your book to $21 and into some issues there? And so I so I love this formula, and if you do not have this formula at play with your book, seriously, go get this book because you are missing out on the whole story. Um, so what I hear people, Steve, talk about a lot is that they want more traffic. They want more reviews for their book. They want more people going to their um, to their Amazon page, to their website. They want more likes on their Facebook page. Um, so let's start with uh, how do you how do you get more people doing that stuff? How do you grow the traffic? So in in the book, I talk a lot about the the secret to maximizing your traffic, finding ways to get floods and floods of traffic to come to your website or driving it to the pages that you want to. And the secret is that it. It often doesn't have a whole lot to do with traffic, and it has a lot more to do with your conversions and your economics. So if you have a page that works or a website that works in terms of effectively turning visitors into buyers, subscribers, leads, and then you have a good back-end system that that is able to monetize and very profitably monetize those conversions, then traffic becomes really easy. You can go out and you can – by advertising on Google, on Facebook, you can have affiliate or JV programs because if you're that much better at monetizing traffic than other people in your niche, in your marketplace, um, other people who have audiences that serve the people that you're going after, they will happily send you traffic because they know splitting the the proceeds with you is going to be more valuable than sending it to their own things. Um, and so, really so if working, you've got a book okay. that's making $10 and that's the end of the line for you, that doesn't give you a whole lot of play, right? Like there, I'm not going to have people beating down my door to make half of my $10 or something, right? Probably not. And and even so a lot of times, and I'm sure you know this much better than I do, but authors think about, well, I'm, I'm a writer, I'm an author, and they 
might not understand the other things that they can have to, to sell. But when when someone reads your book and they're spending an hour to several hours reading, they get to know you a little bit. They get to feel like they, they know you on a more personal level. They get to grow to know, like, and trust you and really see you as an expert in, in what it is that you wrote about. Like, the root of the word authority is author. And so for me, like... One thing this morning, actually, I paid a guy who's a Facebook advertising expert $500 for one hour of his time, and I've taken courses. I've driven thousands and thousands of dollars in Facebook ads, but I knew that in an hour I could get more. I could just shortcut my jump to the next level. And so there's people out there who even maybe if, like, you think you, you give away all your best stuff in the book, there's people that want some custom solution or they want to um, – get your take on their situation. So even something that is offering some consulting and with a site called clarity.fm, it's really easy to get set up and set up a page where people can pay you by the minute for some consulting or um, if you have some coaching package. Uh, that's like on the high end. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch of things in the name term, like group coaching where it's, it's lower price or even one-off webinars or an info product. There's a whole bunch of things you can do in between to to add to the economic side of your equation. I love that. So, um, great. So let's talk about that middle leg of the stool, the conversion. Um, and I, what I love, you talk about these as three levers. And so when we talk about adding traffic, um, let's say tomorrow you read Steve's book and you knew how to get a million people to your website tomorrow. What Steve's saying is, don't go do that until you know how they'll convert because that will tell you whether or not you're making the right investment of your time or your ad dollars or however you're going to drive that traffic, right? It's going to cost you something, time or money, to drive that traffic. So don't do that until you know how you convert. So what does that mean? So, again, for authors, like if you're selling your book on Amazon or some platform that you do not own, it's tougher to know exactly what your conversion rate is, and it's tougher to do things like uh, A-B testing because you, you don't own the, the web property that your book is selling on. But you can try and figure out through asking people who have read your book or like your community or tapping into your social networks and get an idea of um, like what messaging works really well. Like the first couple of lines of the description of your book on the Amazon uh, page is really important. And so what I found has been valuable for testing these things um, for the head, the title of the book, the subtitle of the book, and for the cover image, which really are probably the three most important things because even if you're not Absolutely. told you to not judge a book by a cover, most people are going to. And so what you can do is set up some Facebook ads and target the – you can choose the people that you target the ads to – to be people that you know uh, generally would be interested readers of your book. And set up ads where everything is exactly the same, except in one ad the image is different, and test two or three different potential cover images that you're going to go with your, for your book. And then make a couple where everything's the same and test two or three different headlines, or in this case would be the title of your book. And you can see which one gets the highest click-through rate, and you can also drive them to like a fairly simple squeeze page or an opt-in page where you say, hey, like get the first chapter or the first two chapters for free, like as an early bird for this book, 
and see like which cover or which title gets the highest opt-in rates. And so that can help you um, on properties that you control in, in a controlled way because you can turn the traffic on and off like a faucet um, and see which one gets the most attention, which one gets the most engagement, gets people to take action. And so it might not be an exact perfect science when you're book is selling on Amazon, but you can use those things to clue you in onto how you could get those glamour parts of your book to um, be more attention-grabbing and, and get people to, to take the action to, to click the buy button. Steve's got an awesome hack here. If you want to know how many people are thinking about buying your book, and, and you'll have some idea of how many convert, if you go to his website, profithacking.com, you'll see how he created a landing page for his book that is really action-oriented um, that he, you can actually see from the site how he can turn traffic on and off to the site and get a sense of how many people are coming there and then look at his sales and get a sense of how many of those people bought. So it's a really different author website than the ones that you may have seen before because it is all about that that conversion lever um, that he's talking about. So definitely check out ProfitHacking.com. So, Steve, let's talk about writing your book and what that process was like for you. Um, when you decided that you wanted to take this knowledge um, that you had, I know from from your experience you knew a lot about this stuff, um, how did you decide to make it a book and then walk us through how you actually wrote it? Yeah, so this was, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, either it took me nine days to write the book or it took me years and thousands of hours to write it. So I, I knew I wanted to write a book on how to drive traffic and bird traffic and monetize it for for quite some time. And starting when I was 22, almost 23, I kind of felt, I just fell in love with marketing and learning what makes people click and what makes people buy and it eventually led to the web and I learned about all the, the various parts of how to effectively um, convert and monetize web traffic. And so as I gained all this knowledge, uh, a quote that I love from the author Justine Musk is that reading is the inhale and writing is the exhale. So I've been uh -huh. inhaling <laughs> for for years and I finally decided to write the book in Early 2014 is when I kind of first got, um, ha I guess, halfway committed, if that's a real thing. And <laughs> so what I started... That's like halfway <laughs> pregnant, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I was just a little pregnant. And <laughs> so what I started doing was I took a handful of the books that I thought were going to be the most relevant to what I wanted to write. And when I read, I have a pen. I pretty much only read physical books. And I have a pen in hand, and I make all sorts of notes in the margins and underlying stars, highlights. And so I took a bunch of books that I had read and just spewed my ink all over the pages. And I went through, and I, I looked for the things that I had marked. And then on the second way through, kind of pulled out the things that I thought were the best ideas, concepts, analogies, quotes, and put them all down onto index cards. And then I filed the index cards based on the, the general 
category the idea was in. And so then I had a whole bunch of categories. Each one eventually corresponded to a chapter in the book. And so then I, I had all these, I had a file folder of note cards and then I kind of didn't do anything with it for a while. And then I was at uh, one of my friend's retreats and one of the things we talked a lot, a lot about was commitment. So finally, like, okay, I got fully committed to writing this book. At the time, I was living in San Diego. Um, I'm from Chicago. I live in Chicago now, but for a month I lived in San Diego in August of 2014. So I was staying at this place that didn't have any Internet. And so every day I was going to work at the library and coffee shops, but I did all my writing in the place I was living because there was no distractions. It was perfect. And I didn't need to research anything. I had everything with me with those note cards. So I'd pull out the note cards for a certain chapter, and I'd kind of lay them out in front of me, and I'd move them around. I would basically storyboard in my chapter, and then I would expand on the ideas on my note cards and um, customize it to the theme of my book and what I was talking about and some personal experience and stories. And then I had a chapter, and I wrote anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 words a day for nine days, and then my first draft was written. Wow, that is an awesome story. So because you had those note cards, because you'd already thought about all the content that was going into your book, did that eliminate for you writer's block or getting stopped, or were there still times where you'd pull out the index cards and be like, ah, I don't want to write about this, or I don't have anything to say? So if I experienced any writer's block whatsoever, I don't really rem- remember it now. I mean, I experience it all the time when I try and write blog posts or like when I do other writing. But with all so much work done in advance and having the the storyboard for me, sometimes like I would have to shuffle through my note cards. I would pull out note, car- note cards from other chapters to just maybe cross pollinate or like um, spark some idea. But the the amount of writer's block I experienced was minimal. I thought the writing process was. Um, was pretty joyful. The The process of getting the note cards was, was very time intensive and at, at times a bit of a struggle. The editing process was certainly not my favorite thing, but I thought the writing process <laughs> was, was pretty fun and, and easy. So you talked about two things. Um, so a lot of people who listen to this show have wanted to write a book for a long time and they haven't been able to do it. And there are two things that you have shared um, one is you talked about this period of time when you were sort of half pregnant with your book, half committed. You had the idea, but you weren't all in. And then you talked about the idea of these note cards or having the storyboard um, ready uh, before you started writing. So what do you think was the difference in that period before you were fully committed and after? What, what clicked you over to be like, no, I'm just going to do this? Yeah, so commitment's a funny thing, um, and it, it's really hard to explain. And even after the retreat I was at and, and kind of having a lot of conversations on commitment um, since then, it's it's kind of really difficult to pinpoint like what what's the difference between being really committed and, and not. And so... Uh, if if someone has like a really eloquent definition, or like if they have the little secret, or the hack, where like you just, you know, maybe you like pinch like your right elbow and suddenly you're committed, like I would be all ears on that. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I think what really happens is when you get really in touch with the purpose and the why and the reason behind why you're writing the book or doing, you know, whatever the the project or the task or the challenge is, and you can connect with that regularly, that is what pushes you forward. That's what's going to help you um, get inspiration or reach out for help or, or just do it even if, um, like, it's the end of the day and otherwise, like, you might have blown it off. Um, that, for me, was, was big, being able to remember, like, what what sparked the idea to write a book in the first place and what made me so excited about it. Like when I started to pull books off my shelf and, and write down all the best ideas on the note cards and invest those hours. Um, that was, was kind of the, the thing that pushed me over the edge. So, I mean, here's what I love about this. It's this awesome combination of these sort of right brain, ethereal commitment that sort of came from your heart. And then this sort of left brain technique of the note cards and storyboarding the book that came from your head. And I think just having the note cards wouldn't have pushed you over the head, over the edge, and just having the commitment alone wouldn't have gotten the book done either. But you really married both of those things. And a lot of people, you know, they're fully committed with their heart, but they're not taking the forward action. Or they're taking forward action. A lot of people just start by writing, but they don't have their why in place. And so 20 pages in, they give up. So that's really, I think, for me, the big takeaway about this is the commitment plus the strategy. And and these were, you know, tactics. This is like actual techniques plus that commitment with your heart. So you mentioned that you didn't love the editing process. So let's talk about that. What happened next? How did you edit your book? And then we'll talk about how you published it. So what I did is I reached out to a whole bunch of people and said, hey, I I really just I feel like this book wrote itself. It, it came out in nine days. I'm really proud of, of the first draft, but I know that it's far from complete. And I asked people, would you be willing to be uh, a beta reader, reader or like an early access reader in exchange for giving me your feedback? And I came up with a list of questions. And um, as a conversion optimizer, a huge, huge part of, of the work is asking good questions to customers and visitors and prospects and really getting to understand what they liked and what they didn't like and what else they need and just really getting to the heart of how things can be improved. And so I, I had a handful of questions, and I got 12 people to commit to reading my first draft and, and answering my questions and giving me their feedback. And so uh, I, I had a hard deadline on on when to get the feedback back to me, and 12 people, 12 of the 20 people that originally committed got back. And then I just had thousands and thousands of words of feedback, and it was really overwhelming. Um, for me, I a lot of times like to create and I like to focus on the big picture and going back and then tweaking and, and changing and polishing and, and focusing on details is, is not my favorite thing in the world. So I had all this feedback and I just sat on it for a month, maybe two months. And then I had the idea, I was like, Oh, like I don't need to do this. I can just give all this feedback to my editor who I hadn't hired yet, but I could hire an editor, give him the first draft, give him the feedback. And I said, 
there's three or four people whose opinions I thought were really strong and they they had um backgrounds in, in editing and writing and so I knew that they really, really had a lot of value to add. So I was like, here's here's all the feedback, these three or four people pay extra attention to what they said and when you come back to me with your first uh revision or after your first pass, make sure that you've included much of this into um into your notes and your comments and your edits. So that's what I did. Um I hired an editor. Oh my god. Um, my, my editor's name is James Ransom. Awesome. Oh, you work with James. We love James here. He's awesome. So here's yeah. again like action forward action and if you are blocked or you're stuck, like finding some practical way to move forward. That's fantastic advice. The other thing I want to make sure you guys didn't miss that Steve shared there. Uh, I hear a lot of people sharing early reader copies of their books to get beta reader feedback from beta readers, which is great, except for usually the question they ask is, what do you think of this book? Or, I would love to hear your feedback on my book. And those sorts of general questions will get you a whole manner of uh, responses that may or may not be useful. So one of the techniques Steve used that, and that I want to point out to you guys is asking really specific the feedback that he wanted, um, not just generic feedback. Um, were there any questions that you can share uh, that you shared with your beta readers to help them focus on the kind of feedback you wanted to get? Yeah, I just pulled up my document right now. So here are all he the questions knew I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So I asked, what parts of the book did you like most and why? What parts of the book did you like least and why? Was there anything that confused you, frustrated you, or turned you off? Did you feel any sections of the book were too rushed or that they moved too slowly? Were chapter titles and openings compelling? Did they make you want to read the whole chapter? Do you have any thoughts on structure, flow, and the voice of the book? And if the content of the book was published as is, would you recommend it to others? What could be changed, added, or removed to make you more likely to share it? Fantastic questions. You guys, at theauthorincubator.com slash blog, we will post not only this interview but the transcript of this interview. And I encourage you to take those ideas from Steve. Those are amazing questions. And um, a lot of times the way we ask questions determines the outcome. So if you ask a question in a way that sounds like you want people to say, I love the book, sometimes the feedback is, it's great, (laughs) Um, or it's really awesome, or if they feel like you want criticism, they'll look really hard to find something that they can critique and give you negative feedback. So if you're like, I don't think it's really good, I'm not sure about it, then you'll get, you know, more instructive criticism. So what's great about those questions is they're really balanced and they gave the reader something to react to. So instead of trying to think it up on their own or make sure they're answering you the way you want to be answered. Um, So fantastic. Um, In our last couple minutes, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours, you have so much great advice for our readers. Um, And again, everybody, this is Steve Dar. It's D-A-A-R, and his book is called Profit Hacking. You could find it on Amazon or go to ProfitHacking.com for the link. 
Um, Steve, what is your final uh, advice that you would leave us with today? What is something for somebody who wants to write a book like you did um, but hasn't fully made that commitment, hasn't been able to, what advice would you give them for getting it done? Um, so I, I know I don't have a whole ton of time, but real quick, on the publishing, uh, one thing I did is I reached out to people and, and built a launch team. I had about 75 people commit to being on the launch team. About 30 of them actually followed through, but they read the final draft before the book came out, and I soft-launched it just to them the day before the official release and got a bunch of reviews up on the the site before it was kind of released to the public, and I did all my promotion and my marketing. And in exchange for people being on the launch team, I offered them a free copy of the book, half hour of consulting, um, some other bonuses. So I, I really made it... Um, worth a while to, to do it and it was uh, I think really helpful in getting the the book promoted on a fairly large scale because a lot of them shared the day of or the first couple of days of, of launch and uh, it kind of helped create um, enough momentum that it still sells anywhere uh, it's about the three great to five thing copies about on average a day team, the great thing about having a launch team is it also holds you accountable to getting that book done because you've got people committed to helping you so Awesome final advice. Steve Dar is the author of Profit Hacking, um, and I would encourage you all to pick up a copy of, of his book. Um, it's the Web Entrepreneur's Three-Part Formula for Maximizing Success. Steve, thank you so much for being our guest today. Hey, thanks for having me. I had a great time. And we'll be back next week at Book Journeys Radio, Changing the World, One Book at a Time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.